July 25th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Af Sadihe Amudbet. If you count up from the wide lines, it's four lines up in the Gemara. We'll continue to describe and understand the fight against Sanhiriv, which never was, the destruction of Sanhiriv, which kind of happened overnight. If you recall, Sanhiriv and his people are coming to attack Am Yisrael. He's bringing, the Pasuk told us, at least 185,000 people, because overnight 185,000 of his soldiers, of his uh, chief uh, commanders are all killed. The Gemara will now elaborate on that and then go backward even further to describe the death of Sanhiriv and go forward a bit. Says the Gemara, Amara Yehuda Amara Ba Alehem Sanhiriv Harasha Barbaim Vehamisha Elef Ish Bene Melachim Yoshevim Bikronot Shel Zahav Veimahem Shiglonot Vezonot. Let's stop there for a second. Says, says the Gemara, says Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Rav. Let's break down that 185,000 troops and people of, uh, of Sanhedrin. 45,000 of them, and of course in the eyes of the rabbis, always the numbers have a certain significance. It's a whole, uh, a whole other adventure to crack the code as to where they come up and why they describe it with these numbers. But for our purposes, a large number, 45,000 of them were Bnei Melachim. They were of high stature, the sons of of kings, meaning princes. Not only were they princes, they had their uh, situation was in Kironot uh, Shel Zahav. They're in these uh, these carriages made of gold. Together with them is Shiglonot. They have high-standing women together with them. Zonot. They have prostitutes, harlots together with them as well. Already, the description of these Bnei Melachim, whom maybe you could or should imagine is, uh, so to speak, the spoiled ones, the individuals who are, so to speak, there just for the show. They're in golden chariots. They're together with their wives or other women together with them as well, they think this is going to be a show, something that's just going to be handed to them, this weak nation whom they're attacking, this place where they're going to be able to capture and be a part of, is just going to be an easy entrance. That's already the description. But he had together with him 80,000 strong people. Who were they? They were wearing some sort of intricate and elaborate armor. And if they're walking together with him, that's quite a, quite a scene, 80,000 people. And each of these descriptions of the numbers need not per se be taken literally, but you have to understand them as large amounts. The number is going to add up to 185,000 in the Pasuk, which also might just be a huge number with regards to how many people were lost. So that 80 plus 45,000 were up to 125,000. The last 60,000, Shishim Elif, Ahuze Herev, Rasim Lefanav. There was then 60,000 who were actually going to do the fighting. They were holding swords and spears and running in front. Interestingly, they're all on their horses. They're in carriages. It means these people are running even more quickly in front of them. The Hasha'ar Parashim. And the rest was carriages of sort with regards to uh, fighters who were going to be coming, you'd imagine, on their horses. So it means there was more than 185,000. The Gemara will go into that in a little bit. It'll envision this as 2.6 million people altogether. 
Those are tremendous, huge numbers, again, each one having its own significance. But the vision and understanding is you have really a Mitzrayim type of scene, and the Gemara will liken it to that. You have really a Me'atim uh, Biyad Rabbim, or Rabbim Biyad Me'atim circumstance, where there's a side that really has this covered. It's going to be an easy victory for them against the underdogs, and instead of even entering into combat and fight, it's just going to be victorious immediately. So as a given, you should know something similar or identical was what that which attacked Avraham. Maharsha has difficulty with this. He says, who attacked Avraham? Avraham attacked the uh, kings in the fight of the four against five in order to save Lot. There were never any kings who attacked him. What do you mean, Ba'u al-Abraham? But at the very least, there's a description over here of uh, history repeating itself. And in turn, there's a vision of the future enemies, the future major fight in Gog Magog before the days of redemption as well. Says the Gemara, Matnita Tana Orech Mahanehu Arba Meot Parse Rahav Savar Susav Arbaim Parse. Amazing, fantastic numbers. As 400 parsaot, that's a large, large number, was the width of this camp of fighters who were uh, approaching Am Yisrael from Sanhiriv. And if you were to add up, I mean, that's if you add up the people side by side by side, if you add up the, the length of the necks of the horses who were together with him, it would be 40 parsaot. Tremendous, huge numbers, strong horses, many of them. Sachmahanehu, all together, how many people were together with Sanhiriv in this combat attack or this attempted combat attack? Mataim vishishim ribo alafim. Ribo means tens of thousands, and so as a result, 260 times 10,000 is 2.6 million. Now, the way we refer to Am Yisrael and Yitzhi Am Yisrael is Shishim Ribo. So over here, it's 260 Ribo, 260 times 10,000. They're envisioning this as 2.6 million people. None other than Ben Yehoyada, Ben Ishchai points out this number, much like the others, as I mentioned a moment ago, need not be taken per se literally, but you have to understand it in terms of its significance. We're talking about strength of 2.6 million. That's a large, large number. We're talking about strength of 185,000 and so forth. Haser Had. Then the last statement is even more perplexing than everything that precedes it. And we'll have these throughout these Midrashim here and um, Always. The Midrashim always have these strange, mysterious clues. It says it was minus one. What's the significance of minus one? What was the significance of the number 2.6 million to begin with? But now you told me minus one. And then you say, all right, maybe it's a poetic flourish. No, the Gemara takes it very seriously. It says the Gemara, Hasir Hadribo, when he said minus one, was it minus one ten thousand? Or Hasir Had Alpha, maybe minus one one thousand, again, in the total number of 2.6 million. Or Hasir Mea, maybe it's a reference to a minus 100. Or Hasir Had, maybe it just meant 2.6 million minus 1, 2,599,999 people. Uh, what's the Nafkamina? Says Gmarateku, this matter will stand. Uh, it'll stand until what? I mean, what are we, is this really uh, going to keep us up? And uh, it's a hard Gemara to decipher. Why are they so, uh, again, the numbers we understand, it's portraying, it's describing for us the strength, the fact that there was so much against us and we were nonetheless, through the aid of Malach Hashem, able to overcome it. But this number, Teku, you need to end Teku, usually the Gemara has a difficult circumstance, situations. 
What can I tell you? That's how the Gemara concludes on this. What does the word teku mean? Teku, there's a, uh, there's a legend, there's a tradition, that it's an acronym that stands for Tishbi Yitaret Kushyotu Ba'ayot. That uh, Tishbi, a reference to Eliyahu Hanavi, Tishbi, he's going to answer all the questions and difficulties. It can't be for several reasons. First and foremost, the rabbis don't generally speak with acronyms of that sort. Secondly, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, and Masechet Eduyot, Eliyahu Hanavi is not going to come and really answer many questions. Our we're not going to determine it based on Gilui Eliyahu. We do have Dirashot in the Gemara, Tanad of Eliyahu, who has certain statements. There are encounters with Eliyahu and Navi in the eyes of the rabbis, but that's not how Halakha is derived. So it's hard, if not impossible, to uphold that uh, legend. What does the word teku mean then? The word teku in Aramaic quite simply means it should stand. Lekum means to stand. Teku means the matter stood. We weren't able to resolve it. I'm sorry to crash any uh, childhood um, uh, legends and uh, descriptions. I, I'll, I'll withhold it from my children. You should from yours as well. As the Gemara onward, Tana Rishonim Averu Basihi. The Gemara now will describe graphically how they approached. So as the original, the first uh, approach of the troops of Sanhedriv, Basihi, Sihi Milashon Sihiya, with a scene. Um, which means to say they had to swim in order to traverse the, uh, the river which separated them and Am Yisrael. And now we're going to quote a lot of Pesukim which describe all sorts of different approaches. We're going to understand it as different stages in the attack. So the Pesuk says, V'halat Biuda shataf ve'avar ad savar. Uh, they had to be able to enter into the water until it came up to their necks. It's the horses which are swimming to approach uh, Am Yisrael. Says the Gemara onward, Emsayim, uh, when we're up to the middle ones, Averu Bekoma, they didn't need to swim. The water instead came up on them, but they were able to stand and walk through the water. So there's still this water in the river. The first ones in swimming absorbed some of the water on their bodies. Keep in mind, again, it's the rabbi's vision. We're dealing with tent and the Pesukim tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, so some of much of the water is absorbed. When you swim, when the horses swam, they drank some of the water. But at this point, there's less water. It's been diminished in their vision so much so that you look at the river and it's a qualitatively different approach. So that's the second group. It comes up to their neck. The first group, I, I, I misread in the Pasuk. first group is literally in, 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 uh, in, inside the water. The second group is it's coming up until their neck. The last one's all the water is is gone. There have been so many horses and people who have went through this water. It's been drunk up and absorbed by their bodies to the extent that the last group there's afar biraglehem. There's already dust. There's already dirt, which is being as a result of them walking and marching forward. There's coming up with them. In other words, it's not even muddy any longer. They didn't even have water to drink from the river. They had to bring water from elsewhere in order to drink because this river this uh, this this river that they that they had to traverse is so dried up from the crossing over of so many shine'emar ani karti veshatiti maim i had to uh, I had to dig in and be able to find and, uh, and bring water. Uh, says that, that's the Gemara. Says the Gemara, but wait a second. There weren't that many people, 2.6 million, uh, drying out rivers as a result of the approach. I don't know, really? Says the Gemara. They woke up in the morning. Everyone was corpses. They were all wiped out. It was 185,000. I mean, it's a huge number, don't get me wrong. 
but it's a lot less than 2.6 million. 185,000 is a lot to contend with for a nation which is perhaps not so strong, uh, diminished in its size and power, but it's not 2.6 million. Pasuk says 185,000, yeah. Oh, they know. Until the next day, they find them dead the next day. Before that, there was no, no, no hint or no... Uh, no, they knew they were coming. They knew they were coming. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, what do you want them to do? Uh, keep in mind, the Midrash even told us that God tells Hezekiah, well, handle them, and so forth. Uh, I, I can't imagine there was much. I mean, think about later on with Nebuchadnezzar. What were they able to do to stave off? You're dealing with a strength beyond comprehension. I mean, you know, the strength of Am Yisrael today, and I mean this for real, is unprecedented. That we've ever been able to independently, quote-unquote, in a self-sovereign, independent way, stave off enemies and be able to defend ourselves, it's unprecedented. It's really unprecedented. We've always, even when we had our own uh, independent strength, we were never actually a force to be contended with. Um, what's that? Why billion? It was... Ten thousand thousands. Two hundred and sixty. Oh, because it says I'm sorry, oh, I've been misdoing the number the whole time. There you go. I should have read the article beforehand. So it's uh Ribo is a thousand ten thousands. And we're two sixty thousand ten thousand thanks for telling me now. Thousand ten thousand I have to redo the whole recording. A thousand ten thousands, it means we're dealing with two point six billion. Thank you very much. All right, so even bigger than uh, the discrepancy between 2.6 million and 185,000. We could have made a mahloka between me and Art Scroll. No, no, we could have left it at that. No, no, that's, that's correct. The Gemara did say, I noticed that as I was reading it now, it said, Elif Ribo. Elif Ribo means thousand, ten thousands. All right. Says the Gemara onward, Amar Biavau Halalu, who were the 185,000 as opposed to the 2.6 billion? Says the Gemara Halalu, those 185,000, they were particular, they were unique. Halalu Rashe Giasotin. Those were the heads of the legions. In other words, there's billions of people approaching, but uh, you know who we were dealing with? Those were the 185,000. Those were the strongest ones. Again, I'll pause for a second and, and go back to the billion number. Uh, you, we, the, the, the realist over here, the literalist, will get very annoyed by this. They'll say 2.6 billion, uh, fitting into where? I mean, that's not. And again, I remind you in this context not to be drawn away from the main point over here. The main point over here was not the specifics of the numbers. The numbers are particular, but the numbers are, in the eyes of the rabbis, always a siman. They're always a way of plugging you with a number that has a representation. Not always easy to crack the code as to what it is, but that's, uh, that, that, that's what has to be said about that again, as Ben Yehoyada on this Gemara says. Says the Gemara, okay, they were the head legions, the 185,000. Says Ravashe, the truth is I can perhaps be middayek in the Pasuk, if I read the Pasuk carefully, that the 185,000 were not the entirety, or even close to the entirety of the camp who were approaching. They were rather just the head guys, as the Pasuk says, with regards to what was going to be done, bemishmanav, Razon, the Pasuk said, in the fat ones, the Mishmanav, the important ones, those who were stocky and built up and muscular, those are the ones that the plague was going to affect. Those are the, the, the high-ranking officials. The high-ranking officials were the fat, stocky, strong, muscular ones. Everyone else was everyone else. As a result, the description of 185,000 who were killed, the Mishmanav, Razon, it's specifically those, Bashemenim de'itbeu. Of course, the Gemara had different terasha on Mishmanav earlier. This is 
Peshat in the Pasuk. It's the fat, strong ones. The earlier Dirasha was, it was the eight against eight, if you recall, the Chizkiah versus the Sanhedrin. Amar Ravina, Dikana Medichtiv, says Ravina, have another Pasuk from which we can derive that the 185,000 was specifically the strong soldiers and, uh, and, and head, uh, headmen of the, uh, of the army, Dikhtiv, the Pasuk says, uh, with regards to the striking down, so the Pasuk describes how the important, strong individuals were wiped out. But then the Pasuk says afterwards, The Pasuk says that afterwards, comes into the inner chamber and he kills others. But wait a second, who were the others? The descendants who were being killed? I thought everyone got wiped out unless... The first wipeout was the head army people. There are then others remaining, so some of those were killed as well. Shema' mina, says the Gemara. Listen carefully to that and understand 185,000 stands distinct and separate from the full number of 2.6 billion, a huge number approaching Am Yisrael from Sanheriv at that time. Says the Gemara, we're not done with the Midrash of Sanheriv's attack and utter destruction, Bamehikam, how did HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through his angel, through his Malach, destroy them? I don't know, the Pasuk says, Razon, I don't know, there's something happened to them. The rabbis want to be very particular in describing, again, with clues and hints, what took place in a very detailed fashion. God, so to speak, outstretched and hand, not a physical hand, but a hand to strike them. We'll talk about that in a second. Pasuk says in Mitzrayim, not that God strikes them with a strong and great hand, but with the strong and great hand. The vision of the rabbis is the same hand that God outstretched upon Egypt. He outstretches upon Sanhiriv, Melech Ashur, and his people at this time. Hold that for a second. It means we're linking back to Egypt and the miracles and strength of God. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, hikam. Not just with a hand, not even with a hand, but even with a finger. Sounds a little bit like Agadashil Pesach. Shene Emar, Hartumim El Paro, Elohim, He. He, this is. It's so to speak, pointing to or envisioning the the finger of God. Interesting. It's the, uh, it's the helpers of Paro, so to speak, prophesying and not knowing what they're saying. Okay, stop for a second over there. So what's the difference between a hand and a finger? And furthermore, what's the linking into Egypt? Let's start backwards. The linking into Egypt, the vision over here, in my understanding of it is, here's a circumstance which was a tremendous threat and in turn an opportunity, a responsibility, quote unquote, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to perform a miracle in saving Am Yisrael. The closest you get to that and envisioning what's taking place over here is Egypt. You're furthermore perhaps understanding this as the ways of God by linking it into the same way that it happened then. A harit kereshit, at the end of the kete, we cite that pasuk. What's the exact pasuk? Pasuk says that the redemption in the future will be a harit kereshit. The end one will be like the first one, meaning like the Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The vision of God's redemption is not one that you'll look at and say that was just a coincidence, that was some sort of chaotic uh, circumstance that just happened to take place. You'll be able to look at it and say, 
And that's what the Chachamim say, that this redemption was the ways of God. You'll be able to appreciate and understand that. What's the difference between a finger and a hand? Maharsha points out the difference between a finger and a hand is hand shows strength. God has the ability, has that attribute, the characteristic, of course, of showing strength. Alternatively to the enemies, do you want to show strength? Do you want to show that it took strength to knock them out? So on the flip side, there's the finger, so to speak, saying I could just flick you away with a finger. And if you place the two together, it means potentially you had this sort of circumstance, dynamic, wherein the strength is felt and understood because he has that strength and he's able to obliterate them in such a fashion. But at the same time, in terms of what it took to take them to exert that energy, all it was was an etzba. Says the Gemara onward, be the Ezeb ben Oshel biyosei agilili omer Amar lo Hakadosh Baruch Hu leGavriel. Hakadosh Baruch Hu kivyachol turns to Malach Gavriel at that time and says to him, "All right, time to handle them. Magalcha netusha is your spear, is your sword." Sharpened, you should know that sword, that spear has been prepared from the days of creation. First the dirasha, and then trying to understand what does this have to do with the days of creation. Haravot Nadadu Vegomer. So, what's the Darasha? What's the idea of linking this into Sheshit to Mebereshit? I think it's very similar in this respect. And for example, Harambam, in his Morene Vuchim, when Harambam talks about the fact that God had created Yesh Me'ain, that God created the world, creation ex nihilo, something from nothing, he says, if we were to not accept that as a nation, as people who are Ma'aminim Batora, how could we then accept that God performs miracles to stretch nature? generally, if not perforce, means that I created nature. Which means to say, anytime there's going to be an exposed, a nesgalui, it means that the performer of it needs to be in tap, in tune with that which he created, meaning the rules of nature. As a result, here, the Gemara is describing this as having been a nesnigla. This is an exposed miracle. As a, therefore, say that rabbis, this was implanted from Sheshit Mebereshit, Mishnah Masechet Avot as well. The miracles which were implanted in nature from Sheshit some people look at that and say, you see, the rabbis are nervous about saying miracles. They have to say it was there from Shem. No, it's quite the opposite. It's a description of he who created nature was in turn able to implant and, 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 and within nature overcome the rules or twil, tilt and twist the rules that he implanted, saying it was from Sheshit Mebereshit, as Maharsha on this Gemara points out, is just the description of this being a Nes Nikla, which only God could have performed. Yes, Jared? It ties in all the crazy numbers that we read also, because it, it's so weird to read, you know, how is it possible to kill 185,000 men, three legions, princes. So tho- those numbers... supernatural event that was existing from the creation. Nice. Nice. That's this what, is the description of the Nes Nigla. All those numbers, the out-of-this-world descriptions that we're reading and will read, is all representative of this Nes Nigla. And turns out the Gemara from Sheshit Bereshit. Gorgeous. Says the Gemara, Bishimon ben Yochai Omer. Bishimon ben Yochai takes a stance over here. Oto haperek zeman bishul perot haya. You should know that time period was the time period of... Uh, when fruits get ripe. And in the eyes of Bishimon ben Yochai, the description of the rabbis, Malach, sounds like Gavriel, is the Mimunez, the one who's there to take, take his part in bringing forth the ripening of fruits. What does that have to do with anything? Gabriel turns to Gabriel and says, by the way, I know you're on your way to ripen fruits. 
כשאתה יוצא לבשל פירות, while you do so, היזקק להם, handle it for עם ישראל as well. Before we read the derasha, what's the idea? The idea, and the Gemara will almost spell this out explicitly, is, remember we said etzva, the finger of God, it's such a side point. This, 85,000, 2.6 billion, you and I look at it and say, insurmountable. You can't imagine what that takes for God to be able to perform. Instead, says Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, it was, uh, by the way, you're on your way to ripen the fruits. Can you just while you go handle them as well? That's the vision, that's the description. Shene emar, mide ovro yikach itechem, ki baboke baboke yavor bayom balayla vahaya. Okay, so that's the derasha. It was, so to speak, as he was going. Amar of Papa, in fact, of Papa expresses this. It's similar to that uh, statement of the people, meaning not rabbis, meaning not uh, masoret. This is what people say. You know what they say? Agav urhach on the way of your path, lebaal devavach to your enemy. You should make your sound to the enemy, meaning you should make yourself found and present in the life of your enemy, just agav urhach. What's the idea? Again, it's the same idea. If you're going to be intimidating to another person, you have one of two ways. If they see that you're scheming to get in their way, you're already exposed to certain weakness. You have to get there, in their face, in order to make them nervous. If alternatively, I just happened to be here while I gave you a kick in your back. I just happened to be passing by and by mistake slammed the door into your face. Well, that's how you got your enemy in a way where it hurts most because you weren't even paying attention to them. This was just on the way. That's as a result of Bishimon Ben Yochai's statement with regards to what took place over here. It's as Gabriel goes to do what he needs to do, something positive, just to handle them as well. And there are those who say, that the way that they died, back to that question, was through breathing into their nose. It's, so to speak, an opposite to uh, being born, right? It's, uh, you're born through, and here's an opposite. Through the nose, death, as the Pasuk seems to say, there was some sort of nishifa, some sort of breathing of sorts, and in turn, withering Away. Says the Gemara onward, Vayivashu. Says the Gemara onward, Rabbi Yirmiya bar Abba Amar Kapaim Safak lahem vametu. They clapped their hands, Gavriel, I guess, and that's what caused them to die. Shene Emar, another Pasuk, each of these Pesukim describe the destruction of enemies. Vigamani Ake Kapi El Kapi Vahani Hoti Hamati Ani Adonai Dibarti. Pasuk describes the clapping of hands. Just so simple uh, in their face. Just clap your hands and he fell. Uh, it says Gemara, lastly, I think, um, maybe not lastly, it beats Haknaf Hamar, Oznaim Gilalahem Vishamehu Shira, Mipihayot, Vametu, Shene Emar, Mikol Hamona Dedu, Ami Miromemutecha Nafesu Goyim, from your Romemut, from your grandeur God. That's how the enemies fell, which means to say he opened their ears and they were able to hear the singing of the hayot, meaning of the angels. That's what caused their death. It's almost an elevated death. While God's name, while God's greatness is being built up, that's their, not natural, but supernatural death in this circumstance. Says Gemara, okay, how much was left over? Sounds like an utter destruction, an absolute decimating of the people. Was there anyone remaining? How many, if so? Says the Gemara, Ravamar Asara. There were ten remaining people from the camp of Ashur. Shine Emar, Ushara Etz Yaro Mispar. 
יהיו ונער יכתבם. כמה נער יכול לכתוב? עשרה. פסוק How much could a child write? Says Rashi, if you take a, a, a quill, if you take a pen and you put it down to paper and you just touch it, it looks like a yod. That's what it is. What's the gematria of yod? It's ten. As a result, the vision is there's ten remaining people. What's the idea the Gemara is going to give different numbers now? Maybe it was nine, maybe it was 14. What's the idea of giving numbers in this context? You said it was uh, wiped out. You're going to give numbers? When you give a number, you portray how much they were wiped out. You make it a lot more real. Instead of saying, and there was almost nobody left. If I say, you want to know how many were left? We went from 2.6 billion to 9, to 14. It's a lot more graphic. It's a lot more felt with regards to the negligence of what was remaining. Instead of just saying, there was just a little bit remaining. The 10 alternatively, even says, I wonder, Rashi writes it like that. Yad Rama, if I'm not mistaken, says that it's, um, it's just a very easy letter. It would be the first letter that you teach a child to write. It's also the most standard number with regards to pretty much everything. We have 10 fingers. In order to count something, we start, generally speaking, with the number 10. You might go down, but to look at your fingers and say, it's 10, but the Pasuk says, Yichtevim, so it's something having to do with writing Shmuel Amar Tish'a, there were nine remaining, not 10, from the camp of Ashur. Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, Venishar bo olelot, kenokef zait, shenaim shelosha gargerim, so the Pasuk says that the amount of remaining were like if you knock a tree which has zetim, which has olives on it. If you, if you shake a tree with olives, it has, says the Pasuk, two or three remaining on it. So too with them, there were four and five remaining. He says, what's four and five? Four plus five is nine. Rabbi Yohanan Amar Hamisha. He says, well, it's not four and five, it's four or five, meaning the higher number, meaning the five number. If I say to you, there were two or three people there, I skipped one, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi Amar, Arba'a Asar, Shineimar, he says there were 14. How does he get to the number 14? He reads the whole pasuk. Two or three, he has it as two plus three, that is five, and then it says four or five, he has it four and five, that's nine, nine and five is 14, Arba'a, the Hamisha, and so forth. Rabbi Yohanan Amar, Hamisha, there were five, and the Gemara will pay most attention to this opinion that there were five remaining. Again, the four or five, meaning four or five, if I were to say to you, there were two or three people there. I'm not saying there were two and three people, there were five people together. I'm saying there were at max, at most, three, says Gemara Hamisha, says Rabbi Yohanan, who were they? Sanheriv was one of the remaining ones. Shene Banav, they were as well. The way he knows that is the Pesukim described them later on. And if we're imagining and seeing them as part of this attack, they were meaning, Nebuchadnezzar, the future destroyer of the Mikdash, Unevuzaradon, and, uh, and, his, and his general, Nebuzaradon Gemara, says Gemara, that last one, the general of Bavel, the general of Nebuchadnezzar, Gemara, we have a tradition that he was one of those five and remaining. Nebuchadnezzar, who said Nebuchadnezzar was there, he was a part of the attack, and in turn, he was one of the saved ones. The Pasuk says, and you might recall this Pasuk, the Pasuk described when he looks into the furnace, Nebuchadnezzar, which he prepared for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what does he see in that furnace? He sees four people, or four beings in there. One of them, he says, one of those four looked like an 
angel. The Gemara described it as being an angel. So the Gemara had Nebuchadnezzar know what an angel looked like. Vilav How would he know that this fourth one looked like an angel unless Nebuchadnezzar had already quote unquote encountered an angel. When did he encounter an angel? He encountered an angel in this destruction of everyone else. Says the Gemara, lastly, how do you know that the two, three of them were the last of those five remaining ones, the pasuk that will be Doresh later on in the Gemara, describes how Nebuchadnezzar, uh, excuse me, Sanhiriv is bowing, is, is prostrating himself at Bet Nisroch Elohav, his God, and his two sons watching him do so. We'll figure out why this is so in the Gemara later on. Who are his two sons? Va'adramelech Vesar Eser Banav Hikuhu Baherev. They end up killing him, which means say, the description is that Sanhiriv is still alive and his two sons are still alive. Sanhiriv's death ironically, is going to be worse than the death by Gabriel in this circumstance. It's going to be by means of his two sons, as we'll see in the Gemara to come. Baruch Amen.